Good morning and welcome to episode 63 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined by my co-host John Shipley. We had a little nice mini buy this weekend, John. How was your Sunday off of Jags football? It was nice. I consumed a good amount of otherwise NFL football. Some pure, pure just slop going around. Yeah. Jared Goff is the pumpkin we all thought he was. Deshaun Watson is terrible and... Tyrod Taylor is the Giants' best quarterback on their roster. So those are those are three takes for you right off right off the bat. <laughs> That's fair. It was definitely a slot fest. There was a point in like the afternoon game, especially. I'm I don't know how I didn't fall asleep, but I, don't I know. fell asleep during the early sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think Tyrod's the Giants' best quarterback too, but like for the same reason, like Daniel Hunter might not be a Jaguar. Like I feel like the Giants GM isn't going to want uh, like Tyrod Taylor to be playing over like the quarterback they just played. So I'm expecting Daniel Jones to go back in as soon as he can. I I think they play the Jets next. So I need Daniel Jones to come back for that. Game. <laughs> yeah, totally. Let's, let's really get this, this take machine rolling. Uh-huh. No, that would be good. So hopefully he's back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been – it feels like it's been a while since we pod and since we talked about the Jags just because they played – on Thursday night, we we did like what like three pods in six days last week because of yeah the weird schedule. We were all we bags. Like, sure, they had four games in nineteen days, but yeah, is that really tougher than doing three pods in six days? Absolutely. What we did is more more commendable. It takes mm-hmm. more grit. Yeah, you know? just more physically demanding for sure. Mentally, that, too, maybe that's the podcast too. We're we're gritty, not pretty. You know, <laughs> we're not no Hollywood people. Gritty, not pretty. That could be like, uh, I don't know. Gritty, Our- not pretty is. I'm trying to think the biggest number I can think of. It is so much better than it was always the Jags that it's not even funny. Maybe that's due to the messenger. <laughs> it's just it's so much better. Yeah, that, that's definitely most of it, I think. But yeah, if not all know. of it. <laughs> it has like a catchphrase every couple of years. Like I remember like in the Blaine Gabbard era they'd had all these like posters and merchandise of like being saying all in. And like, that was like their catchphrase for this season. So like, let's play the blame game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, 63 episodes. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I can't really do the Patriots bit anymore. Thanks to Buffalo. Still, yeah. <laughs> still <It's> being on, <laughs> on jet lag, but nonetheless, 63 episodes. <laughs> Jags are fresh off 31, 24 win over the saints on Thursday night football. That was, you know, before we get into offense and defense, like I've seen, I, you know, I try to ask every game how people are feeling, like just to kind of dip my toe in the in the water and gauge the temperature for fans and what kind of reactions they may or may not have to takes that I'm loading up. And especially this game, people are like, not very good. Like we won, but it wasn't a good win. And I'm like, this is the Jacksonville one is the Jacksonville Jaguars, dude. Get them while you can. And two, right. it's Thursday night football. Like I literally, like if you win it by a point, and that point comes in a you know five, God, I don't know six to five game, and it comes on the last play of the game. It doesn't matter, dude. It's Thursday night football. It's going to be a terrible game. I thought the fact that they came away with a win at all is something to be extremely encouraged and happy about because it. Like short week against a good defense, a lot of banged up dudes, and all the stuff that happened that we'll get into. Definitely felt like they were lucky to come away with a win, but I don't know, manager. Jacks fans seem like they're getting standards now, which is 
<laughs> I don't know how to navigate those waters. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get like how like in the moment it was a little bit deflating because it was like it felt like it was a primetime game they should have ran away with. And like I get that's disappointing. The Jags haven't like hung 40 plus on a team because they like keep getting up on teams and then like just try to like get ahead to like the next game, as we keep saying, rather than like actually truly putting the nail in the coffin. So like the fact that the Saints ended up actually tying up the game, like I get that that's frustrating, but I'm totally with you. We're like a win's a win, and it doesn't really matter how they got it. Like it was definitely gritty over pretty on Thursday night. Like, but the fact that they were dealing with a ton of turf injuries, um, like Andrew Wingard had to enter the game late for Andre Cisco. Obviously, Monteric Brown was playing in place of Tyson Campbell. Uh, Trevor Lawrence wasn't 100% healthy. So, like, all those injuries, plus the short week, plus four games in 19 days, plus, like, losing the turnover battle uh, and, like, still coming out with a win. Like, it, it was not an ugly win, but it could have been, like, the ugliest win possible. Like, it could have been 2-0 to zero and they won on a safety. And I would have been like, yeah, that was a good good win by the Jags. For sure. I mean, we, we go ahead and start, you know right off of the offense. It feels like exactly what you and I said the offense would be is exactly what it was. You know, like literally trying to get the ball out of Lawrence's hands as quickly as possible to, mm-hmm. you know, negate any kind of potential like pressure that might be on him. You know, in terms of time to, time to throw, it was the third quickest time any quarterback has had this year in a game. Tua was at 2.08 in week two, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mac Jones this week was at 2.19 and Trevor was at 2.20. So it was by far the quickest Trevor's ever gotten the ball out, you know, on one of his <laughs> games. Yeah, easily. And next gen, it, it was cool that since it was a primetime game, next gen has like live tracking for all primetime games, like Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, not the London games. So you could actually track like time to throw and pressures and stuff. He was only pressured on like, three different snaps. And I know people have seen the PFF pressures where they had like six allowed and people were like, Oh, how that are they only allowed? Like he was only pressured on three plays, you know, multiple pressures can happen on one play, but he only had three dropbacks out of what I, I think it was probably like 33, 34 that was pressured. And most of that was because of how quickly he was getting rid of the ball not many targets downfield. Like, literally, you look at his passing map, and literally his only downfield targets are those, like, back-to-back plays to Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Toward the end of the game. But I I don't know. what Considering how hobbled he was, and you, you could tell they knew he wasn't 100%, I thought it was as good of a – I don't know. I don't want to say as good of a game plan as you could hope because it often still kind of went to a lull in the second half, but just in terms of protecting the quarterback, I thought press Taylor did a pretty good job. Totally. I thought they did a good job of like, not just like lining up the middle every time you saw, especially later in the game, like how they're using screens and RPOs, like as an extension of the run game, especially in like to start off like critical fourth quarter drives when like the saints were about to tie up the game. And then after they tied up the game, like using some, just like quick screens to pick up easy yards and kind of like get drives going. Uh, and then like with the double pass came back, uh, there's uh, they did a decent amount of like power stuff to get ETN out in space. And sometimes it works like this touchdown and most of the time it didn't, but like I definitely thought press Taylor called like a great game and couldn't 
like hope for anything other than what he delivered on. And like, I feel the same for Lawrence. Like he had a couple of uncharacteristic misses. Like there was the Marshawn Lattimore almost interception that like wasn't a great decision or throw. And then he missed Agnew a little bit on another route and then missed Ridley on like an eight, seven yard route out route uh, in the fourth quarter. So there was like a couple of like sideline misses, but generally speaking, like the because of his knee injury and because he was getting the ball out in like pretty much two seconds flat, like I thought it was a great game from him, especially because of like the scrambles that he took, where I thought just like so well timed and well executed by him, I guess. Uh, like I think a big reason we saw him like take off and have success with that is just the defense of the Saints play, because like when you're playing two man and like with man coverage across the board, then all the defenders are going to be like chasing receivers as opposed to as opposed to having their eyes on the quarterback. So I think like Lawrence and Taylor and the offense kind of knew that and was like, if you're like feeling a little bit of heat, then it might make sense to just like find a lane and try to take off rather than like extending a play and kind of like because that's how he got hurt originally was like just trying to extend the play that wasn't really there. So he did a really good job on Thursday night of like not extending any plays and being able to like win enough uh like in the first two seconds where are we placing the blame for that near pick wait is that all on lawrence i thought i thought it was a bad route and i thought it was a bad job by the receiver of coming back to the ball i i definitely agree with that yeah. uh but like even if agnew had had a better route and done a better job of like coming back to the ball like i still think it would be like Ball and like an iffy completion so like i like i more so think uh i think there was like someone showed like the all 22 angle of it and like ridley was wide open on the dig backside so it's just that like the thought process was like why would you like go to agnew and tight coverage against Lattimore when you have like ridley coming across the middle so i mean maybe not but like my point was just that that was like that no, for was, sure like, one of like three or four quote-unquote mistakes that he made. That play to me was one of the most, like, hair-pulling plays of the game. Like, but Agnew came into the game with six targets all year, and then he saw six targets, and it, it felt like it was just, like, incompletion after incompletion to him and, like, critical, like, high-leverage situations. And mm-hmm. it, it just felt like a very, like, why this game of all games to start peppering Agnew with targets. I also thought, like, in terms of, I would imagine this was probably the game plan because, again, they want him to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He, he was a little bit of a one-and-run on Thursday. You know, like the Agnew play, like you mentioned, Ridley was open. Like he was locked on to, to Agnew from – like he knew he was. that's where he was going with the ball. And maybe a part of that decision-making is don't test Lattimore when you have, you know, Agnew is, is the target. But it definitely seemed like he wasn't really probably going through reads or giving them as much time as he normally does. And I do think a lot of that has to do with the game plan and injury. I mean, you mentioned Ridley. Might as well jump right into it. Do you have any concerns with Ridley and his fit in the offense? Because me, me personally, you know, I that seemed like like the predominant takeaway anybody like outside of the game had. And I, I felt like I was banging my head against the wall because, one, you and I have talked about – they're just they're not gonna really throw to Ridley much in games like this. You know, even if he is getting open, which you go back and watch the all twenty two, he was getting open probably more than he has all year against press coverage and against single coverage. Mm-hmm. But 
Doug Peterson kind of said himself when he basically said on Friday that they see him more as a deep threat receiver. I'm not sure how much they trust him in quick game and intermediate. And I think a part of that is because every collision looks like a car crash yeah. <laughs> with him. So I just think like when they're trying to get the ball quickly out of Lawrence's hands, I just don't think he's that big of a fixture in what they're trying to do. But of course, because it's the most recent game, people are running for the hills, you know, talk like extremely worried about it. But in my thinking is like if if the conversation was held two weeks ago, people are thinking he's like a top ten receiver because he just diced up Buffalo. So it definitely seems like some green state bias. But where do you stand on Ridley after this game? I would say, like, obviously we need to <laughs> review our expectations for him because, like, before the season, uh, I felt like a quarter of each of our hot takes were about, like, how good of a season he was about to have. And, like, one of us tossed out, like, Pro Bowl. Another one of us tossed out 100 receptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were we were getting pretty excited. Uh, so, like, in terms of those expectations and, like, yeah, we need to temper them, but – I'm not like concerned about his role in the offense. Like you said it about how Doug said after the game about how they were like rotating coverages towards Ridley's side and using like cloud coverages against. And they were. It wasn't just coach speak. Like they were. Right. So it's like I'm gonna like listen less to the fans and like what they say about like his like target share and listen more to like defensive coordinators and what they have to say and like how they're showing like their defensive looks because like. Like they show like which players they respect and which players they don't like based on their game plans and like like you saw in the Saints offense like their game plan was to target Monteric Brown which like is fair and reasonable but like you also saw for the Saints defense a big part of their game plan was to take away Calvin Ridley and like so I'm not concerned because like I think him like having coverages rotated his side like opens up some stuff for Kirk and from Engram and like. He doesn't need to be that early down, uh, like quick hitting target on like short to intermediate areas because Kirk and Engram are good in those areas. So yeah. like if it was a situation where like the Jags like didn't really have like anyone else at receiver and they were relying on Ridley to do like all the heavy lifting, then I'll be concerned about that. But fortunately they're in a spot where like none of their receivers really need to do a lot of the heavy lifting and they can kind of like just take it on a game by game basis. So I'm um, it's tough, I guess, that like he's not having like a Pro Bowl season that like we thought was possible, but I'm not like concerned about him either. It, it, it definitely does seem like Peterson in general, the scheme too, is like spread the ball around and you can even say the offense has moved better since those first couple of weeks when it felt like they were really peppering him like nonstop, you know, with targets. And I also think in a game where I think Lawrence was like 11 for 11 for like 120 yards when targeting the slot. Like it, you find the weakness. Like you just, you, you're going to really keep going at it. But in that same, you know, context, where are you at concern wise for the offense's second half lulls? Cause it happened last week. I think they would have scored 24 first half points. If Kirk, didn't fumble. I think they would have scored another touchdown drive, that that drives. But mm-hmm. even with that, 17 first half points. Lawrence was 15 of 21 for 146 yards. You know, it, uh, the the offense in in general, you know, picked up 14 first downs, 226 yards, 6.09 you know yards of play. I, the the offense was m- really moving it. You know, 
in the first half pretty consistently. Like literally fumbles were the only thing that were hurting them. But then you go to the second half, and if you take out Kirk's 44-yard catch and run, they have 60 yards on 22 plays. You take out some of the kneel downs, and it's probably like 64 yards on 18 plays. They were 0 for 5 on third down. They only had four first downs the whole, you know, second second half. Peterson, after the game, like, was asked about it. He just goes, it was a good defense. So, he basically seemed like he was saying, like, they just beat us in the second half. I feel like some of it was weird game script because, you know, they came out early in a drive after getting a stop and went, I think, quick three and out. And then the Saints picked six to Fourier and then a long scoring drive for them. So they didn't really have many chances to have the ball in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, what, just what are these, like, second-half lulls saying to you? Because it'd be one thing if it was just this week, but it, it, it was two weeks in a row. I mean, you could almost maybe even say three weeks in a row. Yeah, I think, like, a big reason for it was that, like, they couldn't really, like, uh, finish the game with the run game, and, like, the Saints knew that. Like, the Saints were obviously prioritizing, like, stopping ETN and not letting, like, ETN just kind of finish the game. And so then, like, I mentioned, like, the screens – to like help Jacksonville on earlier downs. But then like when it got to like third and five and third and 10, like Lawrence just like wasn't connecting on like these second half, third down throws. Uh, but like, I'm kind of willing to chalk that up to a, like the saints have a good defense and good coaching and like uh, come out with like good second half adjustments in those games. And then be like Lawrence, as you were saying earlier, was kind of like one read and, and then either like throw or check down. And so like, yeah, again, he like, he missed one to Ridley and he missed one to Agnew, but like with it being a short week and him not being a hundred percent, like and Zay Jones being out and Walker Little being out, uh, I'm like not too concerned about it. Like, I think if they're still having fourth quarter lulls in week 12, when Jones and Little are both back and Lawrence is hundred percent healthy, then I'll be concerned. Uh, but I guess it is, a little bit not concerning but you just like would like to see a little bit more out of Jacksonville's run game uh late in games because like I think they would just rely a little bit too much on like Lawrence and ETM like closing games based on like their talent uh but it's like hopefully like Little will come back and just like be a big difference for their interior offensive line push and that'll help a lot ETN seven carries for 23 yards in the second half uh, Lawrence, six carries, 24 yards. And then Ridley and Agnew had two carries for negative one yards combined. But looking at, like, their pass distribution in the second half was pretty wild, too. Calvin Ridley had four targets and one catch for five yards in the second half. And then between ETN, Tim Jones, Evan Ingram, and Christian Kirk, they all had one target each, and they caught it for, like, two yards, four yards, and three yards. And then, of course, 44 yards, Christian Kirk. That was the fastest. I know they said it. But that was the fastest I've ever seen Christian Kirk move. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I thought that about the ETN touchdown run too, where you like had the pitch on the left side. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously, we know that ETN is fast, but I, I feel like he like really hit a gear, a different gear on that one. So I feel like both the ETN and the Kirk plays was like, wow. 
it, I, I think you're starting to see like the creativity in their run game again too, honestly, because they're doing a lot of the running game based on motion. Like I know they brought Kirk in motion across the formation on that touchdown. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell like it messed completely with the flow of the second and third level, you know, defenders. I'm with you. I, I, I think the run game and not really having it be consistent. Like it's like they're relying on ETN home runs a lot and ETN's a really good inside zone runner because he, he like that touchdown he scored in on the first drive. It was like a two yard run, simple inside zone. He just like literally like squeezes himself through like the smallest gaps. Yeah. But, like it works on a touchdown because you just you just need to cross the line. You just need those two yards. It's not working in short yardage situations because like teams are just able to stack the box differently and the Jags like offensive line like like, it seems like any, like, short yards run the Jags need, they're either, like, doing gimmicky stuff or they're doing inside zone, and they just don't have the line that's going to consistently win on those kind of plays. But he's he's on a crazy, crazy streak right now, man. Six touchdowns in the last three games, and <laughs> I, I I won't put the account on blast, but there's a notorious, like, draft Twitter, like, Galaxy brand account. <laughs> I saw a – tweet uh it was sent to me and so and they're like you'll never guess what this tweet is and the tweet was like he is their best running back and the tweet was about tank bigsby's catch against the colts in week six so i'm like this wasn't even a preseason thing are you talking about like the check down that he took in like the middle of the field <laughs> bro like he had one nice cut against a linebacker and it was like four for three yards it's it's looking rough for tank right now and honestly it's not even just i i've defended like i, I think too on a lot of his carries it is just the blocking but he had a nice little crease there on his first carry he got Go, like go back and watch like the all point two, and he just he just missed it. So I, I don't think ETN is coming off coming off the field anytime soon. But he, he's on a crazy pace right now, and I I do think the offense like the bones are still there for them to be a consistent unit and like a high scoring unit. Because again, they would have put up twenty four points in my opinion, or at least twenty points in the first half against a top eight pass defense with an injured quarterback. If they didn't have like a super weird turnover, so yeah, and you didn't even mention the Agnew turnover too. Like it was two crazy first quarter fumbles or yeah. first half fumbles. <laughs> At, so a- after that fumble, I tweeted, you know, like something along the lines of quotation marks. Why does Tyson Campbell play special teams? And I was like, that's why. And a dude replies to me, goes, "You don't even know the team you cover. That wasn't Tyson Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. I know this." Dude. <laughs> Yeah, they, they. I won't say they have the weirdest looking turnovers in the NFL because the Browns have had some brutal ones. I, I the Vikings too, but every Jack turnover. Yes, <laughs> like the Jags have no turnovers that look normal. I <laughs> need never, ever. No, it doesn't make any sense. But again, like the fact that they had those ugly turnovers and like overcame injuries and rest and all the other stuff and like. Came out of the Superdome with a win is pretty huge. Yeah, I will uh, say. Go ahead. Last, last, like comment of mine about the game. Lawrence's easiest throw of the game was a game-winning touchdown to Kirk. I think it traveled like two air yards, three air yards, something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and watch the Buffalo game, he turns down the exact same play and ends up taking a sack. And this time, he takes the open Kirk. So. 
Subtle, subtle improvements. I, I'm surprised that he – I don't remember that play off the top of my head. I believe you, but, like, that's just, like, such an obvious, like, there's just, like, one clear option on this play that I'm surprised he turned it down and took the sack, so maybe didn't think it was open. But, yeah, like, again, he did a great job of, like, playing in two seconds or less, like, either, like, getting it out to his first read, even if it was, like, an incompletion. Other than that Lattimore near pick, it was, like, always in a place where only his receiver could get it. So it's always nice to, like – when this has happened to see that like that's part of it uh but yeah like he would i don't think the jaguars like allowed a quarterback hit and that was a, largely due to lawrence and like his timely process uh my last note is just that like i was also surprised by like you being as involved as he was and i was kind of expecting like a heavy 12 13 personnel game like Brenton Strange had a pretty nice game last week, and then like Press was talking about like how they're going to get him like more yak opportunities. So I was like, all right, like Zay Jones is out again, so like maybe we see them like try to turn up the twelve and thirteen usage. But uh, like it was a lot of eleven, a lot of Jamal Agnew, um, and so like I think in hindsight, like the reason for that is just that they like knew they like were playing were wanting to get the ball out in two seconds or less a lot. And so, like, they wanted to, like, spread things out and be able to, like, cover as much space as possible, like, by having Jamal Agnew on the field as opposed to Luke Farrell. So, That's yeah. I'll, I'll, so that'll be something to just continue watching uh, into this week. If Zay Jones continues to be out is, like, how they balance using, like, their tight ends as opposed to Jamal Agnew slash Tim Jones. Uh, like based on what the opponent's defense looks like. No, uh, no slash Elijah Cooks. <laughs> no, he got five snaps. Zero. Did he get a target? Not that he I. Ran, he didn't get a target, but he did run one route. So. Oh. Nice. <laughs> yeah. He, route. he was run blocking on the other four. Yeah. <laughs> for all listeners, I love and appreciate all of you, but do not tweet me about him again for the rest of the year until he gets a target. I. If he's inactive for another game and anybody complains, I like who cares? <laughs> yeah, come on. Come it, it, on. It, it was the lowest snaps and snap percentage Brendan Strange has played all year. So he, yeah, it backs up, and he only ran five routes. So he, I believe it was he played thirteen snaps, run blocked on seven, pass blocked in one, gave up a pressure <laughs> on the one, and then ran. You know, five routes that were, I believe, all pretty much checked down. So, def, I, I'm with you. When I when I looked at the snap count, I was definitely surprised that not right. a lot of strange, not a lot of feral. But I, I agree with you. It definitely seemed like they wanted to spread things out, and definitely seems like they miss a Jones a lot, which is like in a vacuum, such a crazy thing. To say yeah, no. I was thinking that like before the season, I was like, I feel like people are sleeping on Zay a little bit, like partly just because he had a great training camp. So I was like, wow, I like just forgot how good he actually is he's not just like some scrub number three receiver like he would be number two maybe even number one on some offenses good receiver rooms like i don't know like he'd probably be the patriots wide receiver one would he be the the panthers number one uh feeling looks like five years younger than he actually is but like i feel like he'd be like a he could be like a one b to feeling Okay. Was like weirdly found a found of youth or something though. Okay. Uh, like he'd be, he'd be the Green Bay Packers best receiver. Yes. Even though I do, I'm a big uh, Romeo Dobbs guy since Senior Bowl, but oh God, 
Um, yeah, but I was, I was thinking he had a good training camp. And then also, like, hypothetically, like, with Ridley getting a lot of attention and then Kirk getting the second most attention, then, like, he should be able to, like, perform well against, like, the worst coverage player for opposing defenses. And so, like, now that he's been out, we've actually, like, seen that, like, his role is missed, like, him being able to take advantage of, like, not great matchups as a good number three receiver. So, yeah. Uh, all right, right now I'm just assuming that him and Little are going to be out until after the bye, until, like, I hear otherwise. But, like. I think they have a chance this week. Okay. They both I, have a, a chance. I think Little has a better chance. Okay. Ship rooms. You know, do we ever find out, like, speci- any specifics about Zay's injury or it's just me? So I feel like even like for Walker, like we heard like sprained. Um, I'd assume it's something around. It's I, I'd assume it's around. Like what what really can happen to a knee to put you out for a couple of weeks? Yeah. No, like like seriously, like if, if if his like knee was shattered, we would know. Right. Yeah. Our next our next fan questions. You're gonna get a question on what you would do to give your knee to Zay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Got an offensive takes? Yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll be right back after this break. All right, guys. Defensive segment. I want to start it off with everybody's favorite. Are you ready to get bulky ball? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's do Would it. you rather have player X? 63.9 PFF coverage grade and a four-year $3.7 million deal. Or player Y, 63.6 PFF coverage grade with a four-year $14 million deal, and he's due $12 million next year. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't, you tell me. Which one would you prefer? And then I'll give you the context. It's so dumb. I like, <laughs> what do you mean it's dumb? Because I can't say player Y because that just makes no sense. So no, I have to say player X. Oh, you believe in data. data. Okay, thank you. Okay. You I, gave I, me like no other metrics. <laughs> so give me at least like pass deflections. So Balky found so what you're saying is Balky found a better cornerback in the seventh round than the Falcons found oh. in the first round with AJ Terrell. Oh my god! You got bulky ball, masterclass. Wait, wait, so this is Monteric Brown versus AJ Terrell. Yeah. So in your mind, you have to spend the first round pick and pick up the fifth year option to get the same production as Bulky gets in the seventh round with Monteric Brown. All right, that's one. That's one way to use resources, I guess. <laughs> For the same production, cites PFF coverage grades. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Just because you're getting masterclass doesn't mean you gotta you gotta attack our friends at Pro Football Seth Galina. <laughs> I mean, all right, all right. Well, who would you rather have? Eight for like the season. Yeah, it's for the season. That's not for one game. No, if we want to do for one game, then who would you rather have, Sauce Gardner or Monterey Brown? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I've got the PFF grades pulled up. No, don't, don't fight me no. on this. I'm I'm just looking at I'm interested to see what Monteric got it graded. You're getting bulky bald. Sixty-seven point nine. I was just curious. Bulky bald. Seven tackling grade. 
That's six, that, that came from like one play, I feel like. Chris there Olave. was one early on, and then Mike Thomas broke a tackle. <laughs> Mike Thomas broke a tackle. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> it is it is on that one. So yeah, but it was like Okay, was, would you rather have AJ Terrell or B five and two? AJ Terrell. You can't reason with this man. <laughs> winning um, is winning is the only stat that matters. The W. AJ Terrell is like the closest. Hmm. Off the top of my head, at least, like AJ Terrell would probably be like the closest like NFL comp I would have for Tyson Campbell. So just like having essentially two Tyson Campbells, sign me up for that. Jags could be 0 for 7. So, or 0 and 7, 0 for 7. <laughs> I, so, so you think it'd be better to have a better number four cornerback than the number four cornerback? Okay. I'll give you Darius. And like no, no. See, this, season two, but this is why you're never going to be a GM. You don't, you don't think like this. Oh yeah, this is the reason why. Five, five D chess. You got so ball. The reason why? <laughs> I don't, I don't love traveling. Yeah, they can't afford me. You got bulky ball. All right, might as yeah. well. I'm dumbfounded. I, I... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought Morteric, Buster, whatever the hell we're calling him, I thought like his first NFL start, like gave up a touchdown to Mike Thomas. Honestly, wasn't bad coverage. Right, like T- Tyson Campbell could have been that guy, and I would have been like, and that was like and pretty. And Tyson's pretty really good, but Tyson gives up a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> Tyson, I think, is like – Top three among quarter cornerbacks and touchdowns allowed in the last two seasons. I, I think it's like like yeah. ten or eleven. He allows like three catches a game, but like half of them are for touchdowns. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> so I'm with you. Like it very easily could have been, you know, Tyson on that same rep. And then he had three plays and coverage that stood out to me. Two of them in the end zone. One against Mike Thomas in the first half, and then that last one against Alave. Part of me thinks just a terrible play call by the Saints because I saw Adam Stites uh, with Jaguars Wire, great guy. He tweeted after the game. He was in the locker room that uh, like was like, yeah, I was expecting the fade the whole time. I didn't think anything else was coming. And I'm like, all right. That just tells you that like Pete Carmichael is in hell right now. (laughs) The dude in his first start thinks only this one play is coming, and he's right. But I thought super encouraging performance, and that to me – is huge for the Jaguars because we know their starters on defense are good. And you can say this for probably any defense, but we have no idea about the backups and you never will know, you know, unless they play, you know, other than the interior guys and chase on and Muma and probably Wingard, We don't know a lot about their, you know, deaf guys that they have. We didn't know if they had a quality backup behind Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams. Um, I'm not ready to say that. Okay, Montero Brown's the cornerback four. AJ Terrell. Well, clearly, but <laughs> that's what the production says. That's what the data says. Oh. Okay. I digress. You've never gotten your eyes, have you? Okay. They they both gave up touchdowns yesterday. Only one of them gave, made a game winning. I mean, this week, but only one of them made a game winning playing coverage. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's just move on. I shouldn't have brought it up again. Bulky ball. Yeah, okay. 
But I don't know. I feel like they uh, – one of the biggest questions of the team was cornerback depth, and I feel like this went a long way toward answering it. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, that was one of the biggest questions for the Jaguars this season is, like, how is their depth going to hold up, specifically, like, at corner or edge if, like, one of their top guys goes down. And then we saw it this week, and, like, unsurprisingly, the Saints kind of game plan to target Monteric a lot. And, like, you saw that, like, they – did it successfully a couple of different times. Like the Alvin Kamara two-point conversion was like a pick play towards Brown where like Brown just didn't – like it's a tough play to make, but he didn't pick it up. And then the Foster Moreau dropped touchdown was like – I don't know if that was on Rayshon. Like- that might have been on Rayshon, but it was like two Monteric side, so I'm still yeah. kind of including it. Uh, but then like, yeah, the two goal line fades against Mike Thomas early in the game, and then Chris Olave with that huge fourth down, where like, a, uh, next man up had to step up, and he did. Like, ans- answers question is answered right there. I feel like uh, yeah, they got they got what they were looking for. It was like a huge performance by someone that really needed it, and that's how you win games. Yeah, I I didn't expect that kind of performance from him, like at all, really. I I thought he did a nice job against Olave in general. Like Olave had that one nice play against him, where he I don't even want to call it a stiff arm. He kind of stuck his arm out there. <laughs> it was like stay away. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I thought it was a really you know encouraging game from him. A game I didn't expect. Uh, Pete Peterson said on Friday that Mike Caldwell deserves some credit too. I guess Mike Caldwell did a lot to. I guess shade of safety to his side and maybe help him over the top some, but I I thought it was huge. And then you look on the flip side and the other spot where, you know, death questions kind of are still there is outside linebacker. Josh Allen had for like the second week in a row, the best game of his career from a pressure perspective. Holy smokes. He looks like that was like maybe the first game I've seen from him. And I'm like, wow, he just like looks different from everyone else in the field. It looked like it looked like a Nick Bosa slash Miles right. Garrett type of yeah. Like, that's exactly like what I was, thinking. I was like, like yeah, I was thinking Miles Garrett. So yeah, yeah. It like literally, it felt like every other drop back, he was like a step. Like he very easily could have had like a three or four sack day. <laughs> like yeah. he, 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 he I, and I'll give credit to Carr. He did a good job to a pretty good extent of avoiding sacks because. Allen almost got there a few times, and then Trey Herndon, it looked like, was going to get their first sack. And Carr, like, just did a good job of feeling the backside pressure. And other than him, though, it, he he was he was the only guy in, like, a defensive lineman or outside linebacker who had a win rate per PFF above nine. Jeremiah Ledbetter was the next best one. So, mm-hmm. it, like – Trayvon, I think, had four pressures, but he had almost 40 pass rush snaps. So, like, and I, I, honestly, not many of them were high quality pressures. And this is against like Cameron Irving, too, dude. Like, he's right. not a good right time. So, you now have two games this year where he's played against somebody who's just firmly not a good right tackle, and he just hasn't shown up and produced. I know that ESPN has their pass rush rate. They had him as like a top seven player this week. I, after watching the game, I, I, after watching the game and then seeing that, I will no longer <laughs> reference that stat. I'll reference yeah. the double team, but there, there's just no way. There's no way. I think like their stat is just like so time based that it's like where, like, where's like his like tracking dot compared to like the offensive tackles tracking dot. Like, 
after two seconds or two and a half seconds or whatever. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like, like they just base it so much on like where players are after a certain amount of time, as opposed to like actually whether or not they won or lost the rep yeah. based on like the situation. So like, that's a good take. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. But, I, um, I, I thought this game was the best example yet of the pass rush was literally just Josh Allen. Cause even the one smooth, they have not used him in at all. He has 62 pass rush reps the last two weeks. Chase on a 79 all season. So Smoot has literally been wow, that's a good stat. That's crazy. Yeah. Like Smoot's literally been given a giant work rate coming up, and he has two pressures. Like he has like a 5.0 win rate. And that, that's not a knock against him. He's coming off an Achilles injury. I think everybody can expect him to not do a lot right now. He did have a strip sack. So it's funny, one of his two two pressures and 60 something snaps is a strip sack, but overall he just hasn't been effective as a pass rusher. I thought this game was the best example yet that it's Josh Allen and then nobody else. And I don't know, you you play an offense that isn't dysfunctional and coming apart at the seams and doesn't have arguably the biggest baby, like loaded diaper-esque quarterback in the NFL under center. And I think I think that could come back to bite you. So like to me, if I think that we each said that coming into this game, this game would decide how aggressive they need to be at the trade deadline. Even with Josh Allen completely dominating, I still think you have to be aggressive because they got nothing from anybody else. No. I like I said before, like the mark of a good team is not just beating other good teams, but like beating bad teams handedly and not like playing down to their competition level. So you could kind of think of that in terms of individual player performances too. Like Josh Allen took advantage of a really good matchup because I'm pretty sure the Saints were charting out Andrus Pete, like their backup interior offensive lineman at left tackle, and he like was limited in practice with an ankle injury. So it was definitely like an easy matchup for Allen, but like he took advantage of it and did what he was supposed to do. And you can't say the same about like any of the other Jaguars defensive linemen. So like as we talked about with like Daniel Hunter recently of like we don't know if like Jaguars brass would make a move to get like a starting caliber edge just because of what it would say about the Trayvon Walker pick. But like, even if they're not looking to upgrade like Walker slash their starting edge across from Allen, like they've got to be looking to upgrade from like chase on or like one of their rotational guys. Get a designated pass rusher, you know, like if you show fixated on making Trayvon a thing, which they obviously are. That's fine. Don't take away his snaps on the downs that he's normally at least sufficient at. But mm-hmm. get somebody else on it's Josh Uche, who's kind of been a designated pass rusher his whole career. Carl Lawson, you know, literally just ask him to come off the bench and give you some third down reps. Whatever you have to do, because I just, I firmly just don't think it's there with Trayvon as an edge rusher, at least not what we're seeing right now. And I don't his combine is looking a little fake to me right now. That that play with Derek Carr in space was oh brother that that was insane. That and, and, and that that wasn't the only play from you know the game. So not a bad player because he's obviously really important to what they do on first and second down. He's really important in a lot of their stunts and blitz packages. And credit to Mike Caldwell, he's kind of getting around the the Josh Allen you know dynamic by having Foyer be really productive on interior blitzes. Trey Herndon has that, like had some good blitzes. So he's calling blitzes, like really like timing them well mm-hmm. to kind of 
mask the lack of playmakers that they have up front. But I, I just I think this game had to be the one where I'm sorry, if you're not beating Cam Irving at right tackle with anybody on your roster, you gotta get somebody in there who can. Yeah. And it's like right now it's like borderline okay because you're facing Derek Carr last week and Kenny Pickett next week. But like it's gonna be a legitimate problem when you're facing like Justin Herbert last week and Patrick Mahomes this next week uh, when it comes to January. Like, uh, yeah, it, they need a boost. I have a hot take. Okay. Fourier Luakun is already the third best linebacker in Jaguars history. I was kind of thinking second. Who are you putting one to? Mike, Mike Pete and Daryl Smith. Mike Pete and Daryl Smith. I was thinking Daryl Smith. I forgot. I guess I just forgot about Mike Pete. Slash. I, so I tweet. I tweeted this, prefaced it with saying, "I know this is probably a giant take," and somebody I got multiple replies about somebody saying I had Paul Pazlesny eraser, eraser, whatever, mm-hmm. and a reply about Telvin Smith. <laughs> Here's my thing, John. Is that like I don't even think this is like that hot of a take, like because I've seen a lot of the same like similar stuff where it's like. Oh, like, yeah, like Boye is like the best linebacker since Paz. And it's like, actually, he's like clears Paz almost easily. He made more plays and coverage in the Saints game than Paz made in his entire NFL, not just talking Jack's career, his entire NFL career. <laughs> <laughs> he's much better in Paz. He's significantly, if, if the Jaguars were good for more than one year during Paz's tenure, and people just view his. Things like because he was one of the only NFL caliber players on one of the worst teams franchise like runs in recent NFL history. I think he gets right. elevated some. It's not a coincidence that the best defense came when he was literally taken off the field pretty much every obvious passing down. But uh, is playing at a crazy level, dude. They like he, he, even in coverage, and I didn't think he was a very good coverage player last year. That play he made against Olave on like the first or second drive. Yeah. When he's Holy the inside God. backer on cover two and Olave has the dig and he just gets over there and breaks on it. That was just an incredible coverage play. I, I don't know like if you can say like for sure that there's anyone playing better in the league right him, like not named Fred Warner. Maybe Rokon Smith. Although, like, Roquan being really good has helped out Patrick Queen, so now people think Patrick Queen is, like, the best linebacker on the Ravens, which is, like... I won't take that sheet. Not again. <laughs> Not again. Come on. Patrick Queen yeah. and Devin White. I won't fall for them again. Yeah. I will say, though, that, like, Boye has been incredible, and he had, like, an awesome game, including the pick six. But I was really encouraged by Devin Lloyd, too. He had, like, one or two plays that, like... Nah, it wasn't even that bad. I can't even, like, I was just nitpicking. Like, yeah, he, had, he had a good game. It was, he had, he keeps dropping more and more interceptions, which I get that he's playing with a cast on his hand, but, like, it's still hitting two hands. Like, if it's hitting two <laughs> hands, you can at least, like, tip it to yourself or something. I don't know. Like, make it happen. But, like, other than the drop interceptions and, like, one or two, like, slow plays at for now, because, like, last year, like, every other play, it felt like he was, like, unsure of, like, where to be and was, like, slow after the snap. And, like, now it'll still happen, but it's like significantly less consistent and it, or it just happens way less. And so like even though the improvement from Trayvon hasn't really been what we were hoping for, like I think the improvement from Devin Lloyd has been like what pretty much anyone could have hoped for. And yeah. like he's almost being like overshadowed a little bit by Foyer, but 
they're both playing relatively really well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Devin Lloyd has taken the leap, you know, like the leap that everybody, like you said, was hoping slash predicting Trayvon would take. Like, I, absolutely. Like, you, you cut on the all 22 of him versus the Saints. And like you said, he's playing much faster. He's filling gaps much quicker, much more instinctive. And he's hitting the hell out of people, dude. <laughs> like, he, he had one play where the center comes up to block him and he just has a great swipe move in space, gets him off him, and then fills the gap and just great hit on Kamara in the hole. He's playing really good football right now. Like, it, I, I don't watch enough of every other team's defense in depth to know which linebacker duos are playing better. But it'd be tough for me to say there are a lot of linebacker duos playing better than those two right now. Like, And the thing with Lloyd is that helps him get so many of the pass breakups is he's so long that as that, like, whole, like, defender, he literally can just, like, guys trying to fit passes over him. He has the length to turn them into this pass breakup. So once he has 10 fingers again, <laughs> the assumption is he comes down with some of those. But him and Foyer are also such a good, like, duo together because it's, like, what Foyer's strengths are and weaknesses are kind of play off Lloyd's pretty well. But mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I, I definitely think Lloyd is maybe being a little overshadowed right now. If he comes down with one or two of those picks, that probably changes. But I yeah. think Lloyd, Lloyd's playing the best football. Of his, of, and I've been tough tough on him before. I've been tough on uh, Balky for that selection before. So as of right now, you know, pr- props to both of them because he's, he's looking good. He, he, he really is looking good. Mm-hmm. I would also say, like, on a similar note of, like, both linebackers played well, like, I thought Darius Williams also had, like, a really good game because, like, obviously there was questions about, like, how is Monteric Brown going to do, like, replacing Tyson Campbell in the lineup? But then also, like, you have Darius Williams, like, kind of sliding into that number one corner role. And, like, it's not like he was, like, shadowing anyone or, like, his, like, assignments necessarily changed that much. But, like, his assignments changed in that, like, uh, he's, like – the best coverage player on the field for the Jaguars, especially after Andre Cisco went down with an injury. Uh, and like he, he stepped up when it was needed also. Like he had the deflection that led to the foyer pick six. He had another deflection that was almost caught by Andre Cisco, which was like an awesome play against Michael Thomas where they were like, the saints were clearly just trying to like take advantage of the size mismatch. Um, I feel like there might be like one other specific one that I'm forgetting. He had a really good tackle on Kamara in the flat where he just like took his legs out completely. Yeah. So like, just like Monteric Brown is like deservedly getting his flowers and same with Foya Luacon, but like both of their like counterparts and Devin Lloyd and Darius Williams, like definitely stepped up in their own right and had really good games. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you completely. I, I think Darius, like, this little run that he's on the last four games is as good of like a four game stretch that Ramsey and Boye ever had. Like it, it's, yeah. it's, it's insane, but like crazy. It, it shows you that sometimes like just stringing one or two games together, what that can do for your confidence. Cause he's playing soup. Like that tip with like, it's just, just reeked of confidence and you know, your ability. And, it really was super close to being picked by Cisco, dude. It, yeah, it, it, it was it was wild. Uh, you, you got anything else on defense? Uh, no, I'm I'm gonna do game balls. Okay, we're gonna break. We'll be right back for game balls. All right, guys. 
No Jacob Harris for special teams game ball this week. Uh, this I'm, assu- I'm assuming Brendan Strange won't get a game ball this week, but I'm not. I'm not ready to commit to it. Why don't you start us out with offense? And if you say the Ernest Johnson, I will throw my laptop over the bucket. I'm going to go with Christian Kirk because uh, we both said on Friday or whatever our preview show was that it needed to be a big Christian Kirk week based on like pretty much a lot of like how the Saints play defense. And we kind of like saw that play out where he was picked up a few like critical first downs early in the game. And like, I mean, the fumble was kind of tough, but it was still like came off of a really nice route to get open in the first quarter. Uh, but then like obviously having like the game winning play, we talked about how it like almost seemed like a different gear from him. Um, so yeah, game winner. Got to give it to Kirk. Ooh, real quick. Jaguars have designated Greg Jr. to return. and I meant to ask you. Yeah, so he's designated to return. Uh, released Ross Blacklock from the practice squad, signed Henry Mondo, and the Eagles are trading for Kevin Bygard. Titans are tanking? Do you have any idea? The compensation? No. I mean, that. Talk to me again once they trade Derrick Henry. Do you think that's going to happen? No. I mean, you got to get some people to come to the game. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty insane if that did happen. Yeah. It. it uh, Harry Roseman, the the best GM in the league, simply because he does what any normal person would do in most circumstances. <laughs> I was going to say, you do you have like the trade comp for the buyer trade? No, perhaps he just tweeted it. Well. But yeah. two two team race in the AFC South. My my game ball on offense. Come with me with your pitchforks. Come with me with your torches. Press Taylor. He, mm-hmm. in, injured quarterback. I think he is just as much to credit as the offensive line and Trevor Lawrence for Trevor Lawrence coming out of that game healthy. So give, give, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I think he deserves it. That's a good one. Okay, and then defensive game ball. I'm split, man. Fourier and Josh Allen are both deserving. Darius Williams, probably a little bit less so, but he had a crazy game. I'll probably go Fourier just because his touchdown was the difference in the score. I'm going Buster Brown. Okay. He's a young gun the game ball. Because, like, just like I said with the Brenton Strange thing, like, I feel like I could give it to Fourier and Allen every single week and, like, 100% 100% they, like, both deserve a game ball. But, like, the second-year, seventh-round cornerback, like, stepping in when there was an injury in front of him, uh, like, yeah, he let up the touchdown, the two broken tackles, but he also made the game-clinching play. And so, like, I'm I'm giving my two game balls to Kirk and Monteric for their, like, two game-winning plays. Per next-gen stats, Monteric Brown now has more game balls on this pod than AJ Terrell this year. <laughs> what? You just got bulky balled. Masterclass. And what do you mean, too? There's a special teams game ball. Yeah. Oh, the lefty well, gun. Are supposed to be handing out AJ Terrell game balls on this podcast? Nah. No, I'm just, I'm just, okay. You know, let, let's see on Wednesday if Buster Brown has a football in his locker signed by Gus Logue, and then we well, can determine the validity of the segment. I wanted to ask you too: Is he even going to play next week? Like, do you think if Greg Junior is like healthy, healthy, then like they're going to ride with Greg Junior over him? No, nah, no, nah, I think Buster would play. Okay, no, you can't. 
I mean, ride the hot hand in my in my experience. Yeah, that's fair. I uh <laughs> your ten year old quarterback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Special teams game ball. Come on. You forget this every single week. No, this this week I didn't forget because I mean Logan Cook completed a pass, so you gotta give it to him. The, the uh, Mississippi he a, gunslinger. <laughs> he had a entertaining like post game interview with I think it was Jamal. Maybe it was Marcel, but uh like he was saying that he the Jags like actually switched the play back for it to be a punt. Like originally it was gonna they call it a fake, and then they're like, No, we don't like the slow questions punt it. But then Logan said that he was just like watching Tim Jones the whole time. And as soon as he saw Tim Jones like throttle down for a route, he like just threw it. So I was like, okay, Logan, like look at you, like saying like watching the receiver throttle down for a route and then like putting it on him in a good spot. So Logan Cook, easy, easy decision for the special teams game ball this week. Yeah. D- Doug on Friday was really good about that. And then he said he loves when a plan comes together. So, hey. <sighs> Logan Cook, his career, four for four, 33 yards, mm. four first downs, 100% success rate. There you go. The goat. <laughs> He's also taken a sack, actually. In 2019, he took a sack. <laughs> the Sam Howell punters. Hey, 80% completion per, or 80% success rate is still pretty impressive. We'll take that. Don't ask about the Sam. I, uh, I'll go Tim Jones with the game with that game ball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Spread See? Spread, has, spread the ball. His first game ball though from the Jaguar Report episode, Jaguar Report podcast. Is it his first game ball? No, it's not. I feel like I gave him a spot. I, I maybe like it was the, the Chiefs. Preseason. I feel like I gave him it, one. It maybe it was the Chiefs game. He recovered the the muffed. Yeah. That I feel. Yeah, but I feel like he's been mentioned in the game ball segment before, so he can he can add to his locker. There we go. There we go. There, God, <laughs> can't believe you didn't give it to Richard and Gulo, the tight ends coach. That's gonna be your next one. Mike McCoy, game ball. <laughs> I'm gonna have to just give game ball to Tyson or to AJ Terrell at some point this season. Just to Ethan, out. Ethan Wall, game ball. <laughs> you just got wall balled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gus. We'll be back on Friday to preview yep. the Yinzers, Steelers, mm. yep. the Pittsburgh back shoulders. They're such frauds, man. I'm excited to talk. <laughs> They're yeah. such frauds. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. All right. Until then, thank you guys for joining us. We will be back Friday.